great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Got a great one for you. We're going to talk to Bobby Devon in a few minutes. Uh, Rage Cajun softball last night falling to Alabama 9-1. to Visited with the color analyst on the diamond after the game. Audio is a little off, just for a few minutes, but... We'll uh, talk about that game. Uh, Ridge Cajun Women's Hoop, shout out. Senior night at Cajun Dome last night. They beat down Georgia State pretty good, 64-48. On the show today, though, we'll uh, we'll cover that a little bit. We will talk to our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengill, Zion's future. We will talk to Kendall Rogers in the 8 o'clock hour. Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball. He's going to join me um, a little after 8 o'clock. And he's actually in Round Rock covering um, that tournament where Cajun baseball team is. They'll take on number four Stanford today at noon. You can hear that over on our Sibley Station News Talk 96.5 KPL. So I'm just getting you set up for a bunch of stuff. But um, before I uh, I play that clip of um, Bobby Devon and I visiting last night about the UL softball performance, the Pelicans are back in action tonight against the Suns. You know, my, my guy, Chris Connor, who was on the show with me uh, Wednesday, I told you guys about the spaces he hosted. Well, Kendrick Perkins, former NBA player who goes on ESPN, and I've never thought he was very good on TV. He just kind of spouts a lot of the same stuff, doesn't really say much of anything, and whatever. He said, oh, the Pelicans need to move, blah, blah, blah. Same old kind of story, really no context to it. No uh, no layers, no insight into the ownership or anything like that. Anyway, nothing new. It happens, whatever. It happens all the time. And I guess enough Pelicans fans have just had it. And they were just kind of fed up with it. And uh, Chris got Kendrick Perkins on a spaces last night where, you know, some fans had a chance to just kind of ask Perk and, and go off on him. And, you know, long story short, he, he didn't really... It didn't really say anything of any substance. It felt like a city hall meeting where, you know, a politician who has got a lot of angry citizens can't really answer any questions because he didn't. I mean, he would spout out a few things and a few folks responded with actual logistical facts about something he was wrong about. And he'd be like, well, whatever. Basically, it was like, bleep your facts. So he didn't do anything. And maybe he was just playing a game and everybody was just a mark and playing along with it. But it was entertaining, nonetheless. Shout out, Chris. And I'm not, I'm not going to really waste any time on sort of the, the, the idea of them moving or anything. It's just a narrative that's out there that's not true, but will probably continue to be out there, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I want to talk about what's happening now on the diamond, on the hardwood, in the offseason, in regards to the NFL. That's what I want to get into this morning. 
So, as I mentioned, Gus Kattengill joining me in just a little bit. Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Cajun basketball, their regular season finale is tonight against Georgia State. Looking to win four in a row, get above 500 before they head into the conference tournament. That'll be over on 96.5 KPL at 6 o'clock tonight, 5.30 pregame. Cajun baseball gets number four Stanford at noon today, 11.30 pregame. Cajun softball doubleheader this afternoon right here uh, beginning at 2. So speaking of Cajun softball, here is my conversation last night. I apologize for some of the audio. We were down on the field uh, off of, on my phone, but this is Bobby Nova. He and I on the diamond uh, after last night's 9-1 mercy rule loss that Louisiana had to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So now, as I said, here we are um, out at Lamson Park, final 9-1 Alabama beats Louisiana. The Tide have a, a seven-run third inning, and Bobby Nova, color analyst, raised Cajun softball, visiting with me now. Also, the, uh, the sous chef, apparently, here at Lamson Park. He made some food that hundreds of people fed on. Uh, but let's, you know... You see nine runs, but then you see seven hits, right? What what unfolded tonight? Obviously, I could say too many free bases. So beyond that, Bobby, aside from that, the most obvious thing, what else kind of just went, everything went against you out of it? Well, you know, you, you, you walk six and you hit two. That's eight free base runners. Out of those eight free base runners, six of those, six of their nine runs were on those eight base runners. So, you know, that's, uh, that's tough to overcome. You give up a seven spot in the third inning and uh it's just tough to overcome you gotta you know you get to play again in 18 hours that's that's a good thing about softball so you know you you, you kind of see what you did wrong you kind of try to fix it and uh turn the page just like if you to one you got to turn the page and come back tomorrow and hopefully the you know the pitchers can make some adjustments and the hitters did a good job of putting the ball in play we only had three uh strikeouts against Lexi Kilfall who's a really you know she's a really good pitcher she uh Coming into the game tonight, she had pitched 12.2 innings, had not given up a run, and you know, so now she's what got 17.2 innings, and she's given up one run. So the Cajuns did a good job putting the ball in play, and uh, but you know, a team like Alabama, you know, they're so good defensively. They came into the game fielding 9.95. They made one error in, in, in nine games, so you know, they they're just well-rounded. They're good all the way around, and uh, they did a good job of, of being patient at the plate and taking advantage of the mistakes that our pitchers made. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much what I saw happen tonight. Uh, good thing we get to play again tomorrow. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, out at uh, Youngsville, or as Bobby said, tomorrow recording Thursday night, but as you guys hear it later today. And um, then, you know, four games between now and the next matchup with Alabama, all out in Youngsville at the uh, Mardi Gras Mambo Classic. Mardi Gras Mambo, yeah. Mardi Gras Mambo. And, you know, I, asked, uh, I just asked Coach a minute ago, I was like, are you glad that it's not kind of one and done with Bama that you get to see him in a few days? And, you know, in a, in a, in a I won't say long-winded, but in a, a long explanation, essentially said absolutely, right? Yes, because you get a team like that here, you're, you're not used to getting mercy rolled when you're the season, right? You're used to the other side, and yet you'd hate it if you didn't get another shot. I think, you know, Coach Glasgow said he learned a lot about his team tonight, and it wasn't all stuff that he liked, but it's stuff that he can work with. I think what we see on Sunday will tell us a lot about the makeup of this team, because tonight, if you play this game, and then you go and you play the two teams you're playing tomorrow, and then the other two on Saturday, and then that's it, you kind of look back at this game and say, I'm not really sure how to feel about this team. I think 
I think we learn more Sunday about this team than maybe we learn tonight because you're going to learn how do you bounce back. Because Coach Glasgow is very clear. He's like, I think this team, you know, they all they were all too confident. They thought they were better than they were. Sunday is something, 11 a.m. out in Youngsville against Alabama. That one to me is one of the bigger regular season games in a while now because of what I'm playing here tonight. Well, you know, and I feel the same way about Sunday as I did tonight. If, if you win tonight, it doesn't mean you're going to the World Series. If you lose tonight, it doesn't mean you're not going to the World Series. Losing 9-1 to to a team like Alabama in February doesn't concern me. If I lose 9-1 to Alabama at the end of April, beginning of May, that's a little bit concerning. But, you know, 9-1, to end of February, you got a lot of time to fix some things. If it's 9-1 to against Sunday, are you feeling the same way still? I'm feeling or? the same way. It's February. You want to see some improvement. Though, right? Of course, absolutely. I, I, and I, want to see the, I want to see the pitchers challenge the Alabama hitters a little bit better on Sunday than, that, than what they right. did tonight. And you saw what you know the Cajuns did early in the season, and it's like you got to remember what twelve? How many newcomers on this team? Twelve. Twelve newcomers. You know. I don't know friends. if you saw the starting lineup tonight, but it's not one senior. We have two seniors on the okay, roster. Yeah. Not one senior in the starting lineup tonight. So, it's you know, a, a young team, and it's a work uh, in progress. But uh, you know. but tonight was you know I think tonight was telling in some ways, but I I also and just hearing from Coach Glasgow, I know it's a, I know he's. I don't know how much he's going to sleep tonight. He's ready to get back on the diamond immediately. I think all these kids are going to be ready to go tomorrow. And, uh, you know, like I said, that's a really good thing about about softball and baseball. You know, you don't have to wait seven days to get back on the field when you, when you you know, when you, you know, you got to be pretty good tonight. So, lastly, Bobby Navarre, I guess, the atmosphere in Youngsville. Obviously, it's going to be heavy cages, right? It's Youngsville's suburb. It's right here. But there's something about this place, right, where you and I are sitting right now here down the third uh, third baseline. What do you anticipate the atmosphere being like in Youngsville at the sports complex this weekend in comparison to a venue like this? Well, um, they brought in, a, you know, they brought in some, two sets of grandstands behind on plate on the uh, Supreme Rice Field. That's where we're going to be playing. They brought some stands in down the left field line, right field line, and some stands in the outfield. Uh, fans will be able to bring their lawn chairs, uh, blankets if they want to sit in the outfield beyond the uh, – the portable fence, and uh, I think they said they could probably seat around 1,200 people, so obviously it's not going to be like, uh, you know, the atmosphere was here tonight, and it was just, it was electric at the beginning of the game, and then we had that little rain shower, a few people left, and then that, of course, that seven inning, uh, uh, inning you know, kind of dampened the crowd a little bit. Took the energy out Yeah, just a little bit. My dad so, was here. He was you know, really into it. But, but look, my son asked me one time, he said, Dad, where, where would you go if you could go anywhere in the world? I said, I would go to Lampson Park that's with 2,700 people. And he said, you got to be kidding that's me. That's why you're you, Bobby. That's why you're you. I know a lot of people listening probably think, really, is that the answer? But, yeah, it really is. Uh, on a night like tonight, I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be. Well, Bobby Nova has been our guest. Uh, we'll be hearing uh, him this weekend with Ian. Sunday with Steve. Big weekend ahead. Uh, but tonight, the final, uh, Alabama 9, Louisiana 1. They're back at it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Bobby, appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll see you on Youngsville. Thank you so much for having me. There it is. Bobby Nova. appreciate him coming on. And uh, Cajun softball today, doubleheader on our airwaves. Uh, ESPN Lafayette, 2 o'clock against Eastern Illinois, followed by a matchup with St. Thomas. Pre-game at 145. That is out in Youngsville at the uh, Mardi Gras Mambo. Portland State and Lipscomb tomorrow with uh, 3 o'clock first pitch in the first of those two games doubleheader, and then Alabama again on Sunday at 11 a.m.
Cajun Baseball, New Start 96.5 KPL, men's hoops there as well, women's basketball over on Talk Radio 960 tomorrow for their regular season finale, the pink game over at EKL. And uh, shout out to Cajun women's hoops for uh, getting the W last night. Talked to Coach Gary Broadhead after the game last night. And, you know, I, you have a 26-point lead in the fourth quarter. You put in some young players. And he wasn't crazy about some of the things they were doing offensively and not really crazy about what they're doing from the free throw line lately. You know, they missed 10 last night. And he said, you know, they hadn't been staying after practice as long. And that's something we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rectify. We're going to take care of that. But... um. Anyway, 2 o'clock tomorrow in that one. Patty in the Park, let me remind you guys, coming up, St. Patty's Day, March 17th, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance from Park International, downtown Lafayette. Gates open at 5, music starts at 5.30. What kind of music? Oh, Clay Cormier, my man Wayne Toops, and Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, and Tone Loke. Tone freaking Loke. I mean, he is in that scene, and he, give me all you got. Well, he's about to be in the scene. The the, the, the clip, the give me all you got from Heat, the clip that I reference a lot on Fridays, leads to the one scene with Tone Loke. But, yeah, Tone Loke going to be there. Get your tickets now at every Legends location around here or eventbrite.com, only $20. The uh, designated driver booth sponsor is Service Chevrolet, your beverage sponsor, Budweiser Zero, and Ghost Energy. It's Friday, baby. Coming up next, Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pels correspondent. Pels getting back on the hardwood tonight. What is Zion's future? When will he get back on the hardwood? Will it be with the Pelicans? Will they make the play-in tournament? They've only got 23 games left to do it, and they're two and a half game out of the 10 spot. We'll talk some Saints as well. The offseason, Marcus Williams going or staying? Teron Armstead going or staying? A lot to get into. And then Cajun baseball, college baseball. Not just Cajuns, college. LSU baseball from across the state and across the country. Our conversation, my conversation with Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball coming up just after 8. It's loaded. Give me all you got on a Friday. This is the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. names in sports are talking to you every day on the rich eisen show with me rich eisen i know every weekday from noon to three right here on espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app espn lafayette the best ticket in sports Welcome back into the great Scott show coming in hot and loud on a Friday. Joining me now as we uh, take a break from talking about that game over at Lamson Park last night. We'll talk a little more about UL Alabama softball game later. We'll get into college baseball next hour. Kendall Rogers, managing editor of D1Baseball.com will join me. 
But uh, joining me right now is our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengill, over there in the Crescent City. The Pelicans get back to play tonight against Phoenix, who are without Chris Paul. Um, the Zion saga continues. The Saints looks like their staff is pretty much filled out. So here to talk about all that a little bit more, our good friend Gus. Good morning, Gus. How's life, man? What's going on? Happy Friday. What's up, my man? How are you? Happy Mardi Gras weekend. That's right. Mardi Gras weekend. You know, I miss my days of living in New Orleans. Mardi Gras was always uh, such a fun, big part of it. Are, are you at the age now where, like, I know you have fun. You take your kids to a parade. I've taken mine to some. It's fun. But is it, do you reach an age where it just becomes annoying at times? Like, man, the barricades, now i got to take a different route. Or is it still just in your blood? You still just love it? I, I love it. Um, and, Scott, uh, I, I will say this. I, I think to alleviate some of that, uh, planning is probably uh, taken of more importance, right? So, um, I you know, you're kind of familiar with me a lot of times. You know, we, we'll do two, three-hour shows. We'll call games. I kind of train myself to either, you know, go to the bathroom in a three-minute break. That's right. Or That's wait right. for three hours. So. Uh-huh kind of good with it i strategically bring beverages um during parades that won't make me go to the porta potty as much my wife not so much so when we go to orleans parish or wherever we go to parade route we always look to see where there's bathrooms where there's clean bathrooms we go downtown we go to a place that it's a church and they use that as a fundraiser for their trips throughout the year so we help the church at the same time they they put together like you know something like ten to twelve portalettes, and they got people wiping them and cleaning and spraying after every you know use, and people squirting stuff in your hands and everything to clean it and everything. So we always go there. We call it the Christ potties. I mean, it's a church, so we, we always go there. <laughs> just don't, know just it's, don't you know, use it's, the. It's, safe, it's clean. It's great for kids and great for women, and um, so we always stand within a block or two of that area right. because of it. Um, and then when we stay here in Metairie. We always strategically have a place where we can park. I can get in and out for traffic. So I'm like that insurance commercial, you know, where you see those those people get to a ball game and they're talking about parking already and, and what time they need to leave in the quarter. So if I do all of that, I kind of, you know, it does alleviate it, man. But um, no, I I like it. I I love it. I I'm I, I'm for any reason to get people together, uh, whether it's family or friends, and now with Carver to just you know enjoy yourself i mean if i catch a bead great it's more about him because i actually enjoy it now more because of him because he gets stuff but it was just me and my wife it was always just my wife that got beat i never got anything so, you know like i'm okay with this so uh, i like standing next to the little ladder for, with carver and um he gets a ton of throws so i just i, I actually just gotta pay attention so we don't get pegged you know, in the head right there, like my wife got pegged by a hula hoop on Saturday. But yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun, man. I, I like it. It's it's unique. And, you know, like this weekend, I'll be in Philadelphia. You don't come back till Sunday. We leave Mardi Gras day at 1. So I might That's be able to get tough. like two hours in uh, before I have to run to the airport and, and catch the charter. So when you're, when you're not around it, you see it around it, you missed it. My sister lives in Vermont. She misses it. So... You know, I, I never take it for granted because I never know when it's my last one, you know? Amen, dude. Like, I, I have always been pro Mardi Gras. I grew up on it. 
you know, born in Opelousas, but my mom was from New Orleans. We'd drive to New Orleans every year, stay with her parents, go to the parades, lived in NOLA. Of course, we got great Mardi Gras here in Lafayette as well. And th- you said it, especially when you have kids. It's one thing when you're, like, younger in your 20s, like, get a group of friends. Oh, we'll figure it out. Let's just go, right? You know, just drink a little and have fun. When you have kids, you better plan that thing down. Because if you don't have the parking and you don't have the, the, the bathroom, then it changes everything. But... You know, you mentioned a hula hoop. My two-year-old caught a hula hoop last week at the parade. There is, even though they're going to forget all this stuff they catch in like, you know, a week, them going home with all this stuff that they just got from from a parade, that excitement, there's nothing, like kids absolutely, kids love parades as much as they love like video games. There's nothing, there's nothing like it, man. And, uh, And yeah, everywhere else next week, Tuesday is just another day. Why would you? Why would you not love Mardi Gras? Like, why would you not embrace Fat Tuesday? And of course, you know here Mardi Gras coincides with a whole lot of sports going on. We got a busy weekend. We got four UL sports happening, and it's you know big games. We'll be covering it a lot. But I uh, I'm all about Mardi Gras. Uh, I think it's awesome. And and you know people like King Cakes, all that other stuff. That's all fine. That's all cool. But just parades man i i think people from other parts of the country they might just think of it as oh people flash themselves and get beads thrown no it's you you go to a good parade you bring your family there's 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 a little bit of something for everybody man so i'm i'm pro mardi gras 100 percent. no man i hear you and i think um like i said it's 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 kind of one of those things where obviously you want to go where the kid has fun and, and you have a good time and you know man i i it, it, it's just like anything, though. You're just looking for somewhere to go, hang out, and where people can be safe and all those things, man. And that's uh, that's getting harder and harder to do, you know. But you know, I look forward to it. So you know, it's here. You wait for it all season, and you know, you have you fill a king cake, and <laughs> then you move on. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. When it comes to Zion Williamson, Gus, should the Pelicans this summer? move on should they figure it out what what is the future that will unfold you know i people will say they know they don't you know some people in the organization there's one line of thinking in that they know a lot they know something that they're not saying and then there's another line of thinking that they're totally estranged from them and and have no idea what's going on with the anecdotally comments from griff so Gus, um, not that you know, but you know more than some. What what is the future with Zion and the Pelicans? Uh, I, I would say it's it's kind of twofold, right? I would say one, it's to be determined. I think that's probably a very good way to characterize it. To be determined, and what I mean by that is to be determined by him. I mean, look, the organization obviously wants him to play. The organization obviously wants him to be a part of the team and realize the potential that everybody expects and wanted him to be when he was selected number one overall. So that is definitely what they want from him and and what everybody wants. I mean, you know, Scott, I I think I told you this last week, even when you came on our show or come on yours, that the week or two weeks ago, whatever the trade deadline was, I, I was just, you know, baffled by the amount of people that, uh, that, you know, wanted to trade Zion and Cape Jackson Hayes, which, 
again, it's just, I mean, that's just laughable. Pres- right? Prisoner I mean, of the moment. Prisoner of the moment. Right. But I'm just telling you, that again, it's the, you know, you're seeing it. You see a guy trying. You see a guy playing. And, and again, a lot of times perception can become reality. But a lot of times, though, perception is reality. And I think what's been interesting over the last you know, four or five days here, this past week, Scott, when you go back to last week and when C.J. McCollum um, made his comment, which I think set off a chain of events. I think all of that was done for reasons. And I think um, when you look at the fact that J.J. Reddick is represented by the same agency as Zion, and you have all these, you know, comments that he makes, bringing up the fact that he's a teammate, calls him detached. I mean, these are very specific things. These aren't um, hearsay. This isn't, you know, and I said this on our show, this isn't, Jake Addison from Lockdown Tales, Jeff Cattendale, Scott Prather, Fletcher, you know, all these reporters, bloggers, whatever, speculating or thinking. And I can promise you, these are all conversations we have had over the last two to three years, whether it's privately or publicly, right, to an extent. And because there is some sort of level of, hey, look, unless I see it and know it for certain, you've got to be careful, right? I mean, I, I can't go and just go on the air and where some guy told me that he saw Zion wolfing down pieces. I mean, I, I gotta, I, you know, I, I make sure that either I saw him, his teammate saw him, somebody on the team playing, you know what I'm saying? I gotta make sure. But I mean, this week alone, what's changed is it's not about his weight. It's about his profession, about his approach to people. And I think that's what changed. You know, you, you had, this week, C.J. McCollum, the president of the Players Association, where 400 people vote him in, say this guy hadn't talked. And on national TV, have guys like Kenny Smith like, wait a minute, and Shaquille, and say, wait a minute, Kenny Smith reached out to you, not the other way around. I mean, this is a guy whose job is to try to get you the best deal, the best condition, and he represents the Players Association. There's a certain level of respect that comes in. You know, and I've said this all along. So lack of respect that he's shown Willie Green by not being a part of the team, or falling asleep in meetings like Jake Madison reported, not showing up to workouts or putting in the effort in workouts and doing things of that nature. These are all things that, you know, we've all talked about and reported, but now everybody is talking about. And then what you see now is a situation where you have some um, people that are on the team talking about it and, you know, like guys like Dave Garrett is saying he's detached or, you know, he's addressed it with them as a rookie in front of the team. These are very specific things. And you go to Kendrick Perkins on Wednesday on ESPN saying, Hey, look, I, uh, I remember coaching at the combine and seeing two pizzas being delivered to Zion Williams. In his room. I mean, that's that's just a combine. That's three years ago. So this isn't any longer about what did Griff do? How bad was the higher Stan Van Gundy? I mean, believe happy, you know. And not every move worked. And that was been my message this week. And that's how I opened up the show this week on Monday. Um, God, sometimes we work for people that 
they didn't care for him. Or, you know, he felt they maybe didn't know what they were doing. But there's a certain level of respect. And, you know, until you're the boss or you have a situation to rectify it or leave, I mean, is what it is. And he's gone about it the wrong way. He's got some very bad advice. And I think what you've seen this week is maybe some clarification of where that advice is coming from, Scott, because I can't imagine his agency like the way he's being portrayed. I can't imagine his agency feels it helps business to be seen a certain way to where what endorsements are you going to get you're being portrayed as somebody that's immature and selfish and can't handle his own business. So, you know, I've heard and People have felt with by backing things up like like Ali Postel this week came on our show and said, you know, I went back and listened to the last two interviews he's done. And he hasn't done a lot of interviews. So when you go back and listen to him, almost after every question, he always mentioned that he's going to go either refer to or get advised by a train. And that's been the biggest issue. I mean, I called it back early in the week, stuff like a Bieber, Lohan, Baldwin kid, you know, Miley Cyrus sort of thing, where when you have family that make decisions and don't let you grow as a person, you're just, you're just going to have a moment of catastrophicness, and then eventually, hopefully, that person wakes up. You know, just, it is what it is. So, um, you hope that seeing him reach out to see Jim McCollum this week, posting a story on Instagram that had a Pelican player in um, You just you hope that the signs of somebody got the message, whether it was an agency or whether it was his family members or, like I could say, at some point, you cannot look at Twitter, you cannot read, stop crazy thing on you know, ESPN last year or listen to my show. But that guy has to have sports center on. He has to be watching on TNT. And everywhere you look right now, they're questioning his professionalism if he wants to play and whether or not he wants to be in that. So at some point, he's got to start making his decision. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Cagnell, our guest. If you're listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Will Center. Champagne's going the Extra Mile. Great place to get some food, groceries, whatever you're looking for. Also, coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette Studios, sponsored by Bet Rivers, the best sports book in Louisiana online. Check more, check out more at BetRivers.com. Gus is our guest. Uh, last Pels thing for you, Gus. I mean, the good thing is they're getting back to play tonight. Uh, they are taking on the Phoenix Suns, who are 48-10. and 10. Uh, They won't have Chris Paul. But with 23 games to play and the Pels being... Um, two games out of the 10 spot. What is your, because I don't, again, I don't think Zion's playing this year, uh, this season rather. What, what is your prediction as far as the Pels here at the end of the season? Do they, do they get into the play-in or are they going to be on the outside looking in when all is said and done? You know, I think you're looking at two teams that are above that, right? So you have the Lakers with Anthony Davis and they're a disaster right now whether or not the Browns be there. Are they trading him? Does he wants different moves made? Does it behoove the Lakers to make it into the postseason 
and make a run. And I, I, I mean, there's so much stuff being talked about this week from that organization credit. So not having AD is going to hurt them. They're only two games from the 10th spot. So they're going to be fighting to be in the playing game. Now. The Blazers, the team that you traded with, just lost Nurkic. So they made all those trades to kind of rebuild that have been winning. <laughs> Josh Hart, Larry Bird, all of a sudden. Um, but they lost another player. So it's there for the Pelicans. And I think these first two games out of the break, man, you know what, Chris Paul, you don't have anything here. Suns and Lakers, I know that's hard. But you have 23 games left. We got to win at least half. I mean, you got you to be better than 500, right? But you better, better than 500. So we got to change some wins together. Scott. I still think they can make the 10th spot. I do. But they're going to have to go on a streak here where, you know, seven and three in the last 10, I think it's almost minimal. And, and and they get to play those teams, right? They have three against the Lakers. They have two against Portland. They have two against San Antonio. So those teams that, you know, and I, I think ultimately the Lakers are far enough ahead where they'll be there. But in terms of San Antonio and Portland, you've got your opportunities head-to-head as well. So there's it's there. It's there for the taking. And, you know, maybe you're one and done if you get in there. Okay, whatever. It, it, the McCollum thing more is about long-term. And obviously the discussion about Zion is as well. That is Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I am Scott Prather. We're going to take a quick timeout. Coming up, though, reminder in the 8 o'clock hour, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball is set to join me. The Cajuns in uh, Round Rock this weekend in Austin taking on three good teams, two ranked in the top five in Stanford and Arkansas. We'll get Kendall's thoughts on the Cajuns and some other college baseball things as a whole. College baseball in Louisiana, LSU, La Tech. Uh, plenty to talk about with Kendall. And uh, we'll talk some more Cajun softball as well. Their game last night against Alabama. We got hoops coming up as well. Sunbelt and SEC we're going to get into. But the Saints, looks like their coaching staff is set. Looks like, no surprise, they're likely moving on from Bradley Roby. couple of things to touch on in regards to the black and gold. We're going to do it with our friend Gus Cattengill when we come back right after this. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Mardi Gras and Schilling Distributing go hand in hand. And after a year with no Mardi Gras, now is the time to make it count with Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, Corona, as well as the new Bud Light Next, Cutwater Canned Premium Cocktails, and Neutral Vodka Seltzers. Locally owned since 1950, Schilling Distributing has all of these drinks and more in your local store. Please drink responsibly and don't drink and drive during Mardi Gras. Cheers and happy Mardi Gras from Schilling Distributing. Are you exploring new career opportunities in 2022? Medical or dental assistant and medical office assistant with billing and coding are great careers you can train for in less than a year. Delta College has classes that can provide you with the training you need to have the career you want. Visit deltacollege.com to schedule your in-person or virtual tour and take our career readiness quiz to see if a career in healthcare is for you. We'd love to meet you. The following businesses proudly support the broadcast of UL Athletics on ESPN 1420 and News Talk 96.5 KPL. Acadiana Dodge. Arsimaw Red and Morella. Acadiana Prescription Shop. 
Blues, Capital One, Delta World Tire. Support these businesses that support the Raging Cajuns broadcast of all UL athletics all season long. If your business would like to be a part of our UL Booster sponsorship, call Pam Begno at 233-6000. This week at Macy's, get an extra 20% off when you use your coupon or Macy's card. Or shop incredible specials to snag end-of-season finds. Like 30 to 50% off designer suits, blazers, and pants. And 30% off the coziest accessories. And step up your mornings with 30% off blenders, juicers, and more. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase, except gift cards, services, and fees. See Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. I love my hardwood floors, but I wasn't sure how to take care of them. Carrying around a bucket was such a hassle. And even worse, my string mop left streaks and haze behind. Then I found Swiffer Wet Jet Wood, the all-in-one tool made specially for wood floors. Its microfiber-like pad is soft, and it sprays a light mist solution that dries fast. With Swiffer Wet Jet Wood, it's easy to keep up with the mess on my wood floors. <sighs> Even that mess. Swiffer Wet Jet Wood, proud member of the National Wood Floor Association. Your safety has always been priority one at GiveMeTheVin.com. At GiveMeTheVin.com, the transaction is online and over the phone. And then we pick up the vehicle with no direct contact and provide your check indirectly. Don't risk your safety with retailers or strangers. Just go to GiveMeTheVin.com, enter your VIN number and a picture or two, and get your best offer quickly and safe. Get your best bin and a check on the spot with GiveMeTheVin.com, America's best and safest car buyer. Sell us your car. GiveMeTheVin.com. So easy you can do it in your underwear. FanPage is giving you the chance to get in on the ground floor of one of the Internet's hottest new investments. It's NFTs. Non-fungible tokens featuring the rising stars of college baseball. Right now, investors are snapping up NFTs on current college stars like Trey Morgan of LSU. Morgan is on the fast track to the major leagues, and your NFT investment today not only supports Morgan while he's playing for the Tigers, but it can also support you and your financial future as the NFTs grow in value. Think of it like having something of value from Joe Burrow's college days before he made it to the Super Bowl as an NFL superstar. Each week, new players players are added to the all-stars at FanPage, so now is the time to act. And remember to check back often at FanPage.com. That way, you'll be the first to know which stars have been added so you can grow your NFT portfolio. NFTs are hot, and none are hotter than the future all-stars at FanPage. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kanga with us now for the Pro Nola segment. We'll spend a little time on the Saints, Gus. And something you and I talked about on your show as we get right into it was the uh, co-defensive coordinator decision uh, with uh, Chris Richard and with um, Ryan Nielsen. And, you know, I, I see, I would say that at least the majority of the response to it from the public has been 
kind of slanted negative. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I, I said this on your show, and then I'll toss it to you. I don't have issues with co-coordinators when the head coach is the one who's primarily the focus of that side of the ball, right? Like at UL last year, Billy Napier was the head coach. He had co-offensive coordinators, Michael Desimo and Tim Leger. Um, Des is now the head coach at UL, and Leger is the solo C, but Napier was the play caller. So every, by, by all accounts, Dennis Allen is still going to be you know, the, the guy calling the defense on game day, I would have a lot more concern if there were co-offensive coordinators. But after a lot of the interviews and the process, it, it looks like a lot of what the Saints did, Gus, is what a lot of people expected them to do. And that was run back a lot of what they had before, just a few small changes here and there. And, of course, I say a few small ones, one major one, that is Sean Payton is no longer there. But I, I think... The way the process played out has some fans maybe grinding their teeth a little bit about it all. I mean, you get a lot of calls about the Saints on your show in New Orleans every single day. What is the pulse over there about how these how how Dennis Allen's staff has been filled out? It's interesting because I would say it's I don't know if it's if I say mix, but I would say come full circle, right? Start out with all right, Sean's gone. What do you do? Those calls. Elevate Dennis Allen makes sense. Give the offense coordinator jobs. Carmichael. Elevate Nielsen or Richard to be coordinator. Just bring him back. Got a good talent to defense. Makes sense. Then all the interviews start coming, and people see some of the names. And then it became all of them. An innovative coach. To the offensive coordinator. See what they got out there. Defensive coordinator. And when it wound up being what we thought it was going to be, it was, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, the offense is terrible. They're handing it over to the guy. You know, look, it's, it's kind of funny because you're right, Scott. It's literally why Dennis Allen is face, right? It makes sense. He's Work with the majority of the staff for years. 12 or 16 under Sean Payton. I understand, as he said, he wants to put his own staple and his own ingredients on the thing, but even he said if it's not great, if it's not broken, block it. And I think there's some things that he would like to change, which you saw. Offensive line, receivers coach, and I'm sure there's going to be some differences. But when you look at continuity, it just makes sense based off of the roster you have. And it's something that you and I have been talking about for weeks here. When you look at the roster, you're not starting from scratch. You're not the Jags. You're not the Giants. You're not trying to figure out who you are identity-wise. You're not, you're not taking those fits, trying to reestablish or establish who you are, you're not what Napier is doing in Florida. You know, identity seems to be every tweet that they put out there, which is what he did with the Cajuns, trying to create the culture. That, that's not where the Saints are. They're literally a team that, you know, barring their kicker getting hurt, losing a starting quarterback, the NFL going, you know, COVID crazy and all this stuff, it's probably a playoff team. So you probably want a staff familiar with those players who probably want an offensive philosophy 
it doesn't differ much because you have young players on that side of the football at receiver, at tight end, and throwing them a whole new offensive system, that's smarter than giving the guy that has been helping come up with the plays and coming up with the game plans and you see him coaching on the field, you know, keeping them there. And it makes sense, to be honest with you. And I think looking at the roster, looking at the personnel, seeing Michael Thomas coming back um, in a way that he is, being active again on social media, declaring he's ready to go monster mode and such. I mean, you add that all together, it just makes sense. And, you know, let's see what happens to doesn't work out this year. It doesn't do that. And he can always make changes. Sean Payton, the most hip to, you know, 2009, went through how many defensive coordinators? You know, I mean, seriously, how many kickers? How many different position groups and coaches have to replace because of either attrition or getting jobs or what have you? So, you know, if he's got Dennis Allen's staff that he has right now, it's going to be the one in two years, three years. It's just not. And, you know, let's, let's see what happens. That's, that's really it. Like, I, I get why they're doing what they're doing. I also have no idea if it's going to work. I mean, we can point to last year and some of the things. Like, it, it's not having Sean Payton was huge in 2012. And they still went 7-9 and nine, had this great offense. But it was huge. And it was an odd situation, um, obviously, with the NFL and the suspension the offense obviously was was worlds better than what it, it currently is, but defensively it was historically bad, and uh, you know the Saints defensively are pretty good right now. So I, I I don't know if the Saints are about to go into a lull. I don't know if they're about to go downward. I don't. I I, I also am not like as confident as I would be about the team like in 2018, 2019, 2020. Like I don't. I'm not I'm not sure. And I think at this point you try to run it back, you tinker the roster a little bit and you see what you got in an NFC South that when you got you got Bruce Arians out there not ruling out Blaine Gabbert maybe being the starter for the the, the Buccaneers next year. Um Saints only have 3 under contract. Taysom Hill, you know, Ian Book and Blake Bortles and I don't think they really want any of those guys to be starting week 1. Both signs are pointing to Jameis. We'll see. There's still work to be done there. My final Saints question for you, Gus, is this. And we talked about it on your show Wednesday. Marcus Williams, Teron Armstead. Now, Armstead, contractually, you could say, well, let's wait and see. They're going to they're gonna have to rework something. Maybe like he's, 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 he's going to be available. Or Marcus Williams, we know, I doubt they're going to franchise tag him twice. Probably, you know, a free agent. Let's say they can only keep one of those guys. Uh, you know what? I won't even, I won't even put parameters on what I'm going to ask you. Those two players, where is their future in 2022? It's a good question. We actually talked about that on um, Wednesday. I had Larry Holder on and I said, hey, look, what's uh, you look at those two players, those are the two biggest names, those are the two biggest dominoes, I guess to say, in free agency. He's like, look, I could see 20 million for Toronto. And Scott, I always give you the credit. You told me long ago, you either have a tackle or you're going to overpay for them. And you're the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> so they're going to throw a lot of money to Ryan Armstead. That's just one thing. 
how many other teams, the Bears, the Fields. I mean, I, you can look at all of these young QBs. Um, but if the Jags get a top tackle with their pick and then sign Tarn Armstead, all of a sudden that line protects their young quarterback. I, I just don't see the same. And I don't think they should, to be honest with you. Spend 20 or more for a guy that's been injured for them and really where they are. Um, you can because you don't know, as Larry brought up, a very good point. You don't know how much your quarterback's in the cost. I, Scott, do you get a sense that same thing? I think that they feel Jameis could be the quarterback. Smells like it, feels like it, likely to be. But do you also take a sense of feeling like same thing? Please do it for like seven million. You know what I'm saying? Like, it costs so some money. I don't think he's going to show up for a bag of beignets simply because there's going to be other teams interested in him. And despite the knee injury, I think the man is going to make it to where he's going to be in the team. I, I still would be surprised if he get up for under 20. I really honestly feel that way because Whoa. there's so many teams that want yeah. a, a different quarterback. And, and that, that's the difference to me, I think, than two years ago. Um, when you had a draft with a lot of quarterbacks coming in and things of that nature. I mean, I, I do think, in my heart of hearts, I think there's a wink-wink handshake understanding or even deal between the two because, you know, Marcus Williams posted the tweet with him bench pressing. He won in St. <laughs> you know, every single video that's posted from Jameis, he's wearing St. So I do think it's him. But again, 20 mil if it's around arm spare to Best that in your quarterback. Best that in free agency at receiver. Best that in free agency at safety. Because Marcus Williams, Larry thinks, is going to be north of 15. Now, the Tiger put 14 last year. So you were able to pay that last year. Will you do it now? I, I think you have one. I think they do try for Marcus. But I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't either. I think Williams will be there. Tehran won't, but they're going to put draft capital into the tackle spot. And it, and you saw when the line was shoddy last year, it was it was bad. Armstead is like, he's not Marcus Davenport, Jason, because Davenport is that Ferrari that works less than half the time. Armstead will still, the engine will still run when it's a little beat up, and every now and then you do have to take it to the shop, right? Uh, you do. But, man, when that thing, like, he is so great when he is in there, he is going to get a big payday. I just think with Dennis Allen now being the head coach, seeing how much the Saints valued Williams last year when they had to cut people and do a lot to get under the cap, and they signed him with a franchise tag, it, it now he now the head coach is defensive-minded guy. I think they're going to put a premium on Williams. I would sus- I, I suspect that between him and Armstead, Williams is probably back. Armstead's not, which I would I, I love Teron Armstead. I mean he's. He's been a great player. He's a team captain. He's got mad respect, and when he's healthy, he's really good. But uh, they're going to be tough decisions made again in the offseason. We're going to let you uh, run. Gus Gattengill has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 at G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. He is host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans. Uh, weekdays, noon to 3, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, it's always fun talking, man. Uh, safe travels, even throughout Mardi Gras. I know it's busy as you're uh, you're doing some play-by-play in the meantime, but try to enjoy yourself. Love seeing the pics of you guys parading with uh, with the young one. And like we said when we started this conversation, when you're parading with kids, it's all about planning. It is all about preparation, right? Get Make sure you know where you're parking, the spot you're going to be, the closest bathroom. You do all of that. 
You're going to have a great time. Be safe out there, everybody. But but take Gus's advice when it comes to parading with kids. <laughs> no, no doubt. It also applies to, to the wives. <laughs> make, make sure they're happy. Get them what they need and get a snacks and everything from that note. It'll be fun. I love it. Dude. Enjoy yourselves. And Scott, to echo what you're saying, be safe, man. Remember, when you're leaving parade routes or whatever, there's kids, adults in between those cars that shoot out on those busy streets and every year is a terrible story so just take your time getting back and forth appreciate it brother all the best man and uh happy mardi gras and we'll talk to you again next week sounds good buddy as always appreciate it scott all right big thanks to gus Cadenio. coming up next kendall rogers he is in austin covering louisiana and uh, Stanford and Arkansas and Indiana and all the teams playing over there at the Round Rock Class. Of course, he covers college baseball 24-7, 365, managing editor of D1Baseball.com. We're going to talk about the Cajuns, the Sun Belt. We'll talk LSU, La Tech, some of the other schools in the state in terms of college baseball, the future of the sport and the present. Will Coastal Carolina ever get back to the team that they were just a few years ago? We'll dig into a lot with Kendall. Looking forward to it after Kendall Rogers open phone lines as we get set for this upcoming weekend. More on last night's game over at Lamson Park and the Cajun Dome. A lot to get into. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Kendall Rogers joins me. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, as promised, managing editor of D1 Baseball. For all you college baseball enthusiasts listening, and I know we got a lot of college baseball fans listening, Kendall Rogers, you know him. He is our guest now. Good morning, Kendall. How how is life, man? I know with uh, college baseball season underway, you are uh, you are in the thick of it, aren't you, my friend? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's nice. The weather could be a little bit nicer, especially this weekend in Round Rock. But uh, you know, uh, I thought Week One was really interesting. Obviously, a big weekend for the Cajuns uh, and a big weekend for a lot of teams around the country. So well, it's been awesome. All right, before I ask you baseball questions, I. Uh, this is a question we ask all of our guests. Uh, you may not even have an answer, but what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? Um, I guess Sabotage. I don't know. Hey, that's like saying, you know, I guess Picasso was a good artist. I mean, that's a good choice. Yeah, right. Kid, like, know. I don't know, man. I was, I was never a big Beastie Boys guy. Like, I don't know why. I just never was. What was your, what was your go-to growing up in Texas? So I pretty much liked everything. So I, I liked like '90s alternative. Um, I liked uh, you know a little old school gangster rap, a little Tupac and 
Biggie, UGK, if anybody's interested, you know, in, in rap in Houston. But yeah, I, I listen to pretty much everything. Country man, Brixton Dunn, Clint Black, can't go wrong. Garth, so uh, a little bit of everything. Mixing it up. You uh, you mentioned Round Rock a minute ago. Are you are you going to be in Austin this weekend, or where are you uh, taking in some ball? I will be. So I'll, I'll be in Round Rock this weekend. Um, I'm really looking forward to that tournament. I think when you look at the the field overall, obviously Arkansas is Arkansas, number two team in the country, and. Granted, they lost their you know opening game of the year, but they they bounced back nicely, especially on the mound the last two games. And uh, you know you look at Stanford, you know again they lost their opening game of the year, and then they bounced back and take care of Fullerton. And of course, Indiana, um, you know they had a tough weekend out of Clemson, but uh, you know Jeff Mercer's team's always good, and I I don't expect that to, you know change. Coming up noon today, of course, uh, Louisiana taking on Stanford, ranked number four in some of the polls. I know you guys. Have them ranked high as well, and uh, why don't we start with the Cajuns, uh, Kendall? What are your thoughts on this this roster that Coach Matt Daggs is and his staff have assembled, and what are your expectations for UL this year? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is when I look at the the Cajuns. I, this is a team that when I saw them in the fall, I really liked. I, I think you know from an offensive standpoint, there's no doubt the last few years, you know, the, the Cajuns have not had kind of that Matt Daggs look to them. And I, I feel like when you look at, you know, guys like Tyler Robertson, you know, Kyle DeBarge, uh, you know, you know, there are plenty of other guys in that lineup too uh, that I have pretty high hopes for. You know, Connor Kemple had a really good weekend. Carson Rocker is a really accomplished player. Um, I, I just thought when I saw them in the fall that one through nine, uh, that was a lineup that I really did not find many just totally weak spots. And I think that's a deviation from what has kind of been the case the last couple of years. Uh, I think when you look at the pitching staff as a whole, uh, I like the kind of the trajectory. Uh, you know, you look at getting a guy like Brandon Talley back. You know, Hayden Dirk, you know, uh, I know he had a little bit of a tough short outing over the weekend. But, you know, he's a guy that has big-time stuff. You know, you look at, you know, Bo Bonds is a you know consistent contributor. You know, Tommy, Ray, Tommy Ray's ultra-talented. So, I thought they had depth, uh, and I thought they had a lot, you know, on the mound. I thought they had a lot of depth offensively. So, uh, the opening weekend went pretty much the way I expected. I, I thought they went two out of three from UC Irvine, and that's kind of what they did. Yeah, and this weekend, um, you know, Indiana tomorrow, Arkansas Sunday, and then of course, as we mentioned, uh, Stanford today. You know, what, what do you? What kind of chances do you give them going up against? I guess the competition that you're about to see here in Round Rock. Yeah, I think when you look at Stanford, uh, you know, they're they're a lot like Arkansas in the sense that, you know, the pitching staff has a little bit to prove, and they've got a really good offense that really just didn't, you know, do a great job opening weekend. I mean, for instance, Drew Bowser, who, you know, who's a freshman All-American for the Cardinal last year, you know, hit 077, you know, opening weekend. Uh, guys like Cody Huff, Tommy Troy are both accomplished hitters uh, who also didn't do very well opening weekend. So, you almost kind of wonder, you know, if those guys and Arkansas are kind of due from an offensive standpoint. But, you know, if you look at the the weather, I mean, I, I you know, the, the weather is not real conducive to a huge offensive weekend for really anybody. So, uh, those are the two things for me when I look at those teams is they're very very similar and just kind of how they played opening weekend. Kendall Rogers, our guest at Kendall Rogers on Twitter, and of course, D one Baseball dot com uh, for all you. You know, big-time baseball fans out there, I know a lot of you guys go to it. You uh, you subscribe to some of the extra content. For anyone that's never checked it out, you want to go check it out. What I know we're very early into a long season, Kendall. What surprised you the most about this first week, opening weekend, and then the midweek games you've been able to see? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma State going on the road, taking two out of three from uh, Vanderbilt was pretty loud again. I mean, they were number seven, number eight in the country coming into the year. So it's not like it's, you know, too crazy that they won two out of three. But just the fact they went up there, especially after losing the series open over the All-American on the mound, the fact they won that series was was impressive. I think NC State, when you look at Tommy White, the, the freshman, you know, he had five home runs in, on opening weekend. Uh, he's been just terrific. I think he's still hitting over 600 after the midweek game. So, just to start, he's off to, you know, Oregon State's offense, I thought, was outstanding, along with Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, a team that I thought took a big step forward last year, getting to Omaha. Uh, they outscored Georgia Southern, a Sunbelt club, 33-3 to uh, in three games. And, of course, you look at Liberty and Maryland. Maryland goes on the road and sweeps Baylor. And then you look at Liberty, who goes on the road and takes two or three from Florida. Circle Liberty, though, that, that's a team that I think is – you know, people are going to go, oh, well, that's a huge upset. Uh, not not really. I mean, Liberty uh, made some noise last year. You know, they made a lot of noise in the Knoxville Regional. And they've got a lot of those guys back from that team. So they're they're battle-tested, and they kind of showed it over the weekend against the Gators. Looking at what the Liberty Flames did or Long Beach, you know, going to Starkville and, and getting the series, do you see, you know, a, a, a power like a Mississippi State or a Florida, right, you know, premier college baseball programs, when they schedule these – non-conference series early in the season, but against high-level mid-majors. Do you you see some schools, as they continue to maybe lose some of those, like being deterred by that? Is it kind of a school-by-school thing? Like, what do you see in terms of the future of, all right, this is a powerful team. They're hosting one of the better mid, you know, high mid-majors in college baseball to open the season. Do you see more of that in the future or potentially less of that? I think you'll see more. I mean, I just think when you look at scheduling in general, like you want to play the best teams. And granted, I think everybody kind of wants like a – I hate to call it a gimme because coaches hate when you call it a gimme. But, like, I think it makes sense to for schools to have like one gimme series. But outside of that, like I, w- I want my team to be tested. I want, I want to know like where my club stacks up. And so I think to me my approach to scheduling a non-conference has always been give me one easy, give me one kind of middle of the road, and give me one that's a, a pretty stiff test. And – uh, you know, the thing about the Cajuns this year is I feel like Matt put together a schedule that has a lot of stiff tests. Like, I don't think there's a gimme in non-conference on the weekend, and I think these, these are all really good teams. I think UC Irvine is going to turn out to be a really good team at the end of the year. I think they'll have a very good shot to win the Big West. Uh, and, you know, we're not, we haven't even talked about Southern Miss yet, who obviously uh, is going to be really good this year. Yeah, I mean, Coach Deggs, uh, he – he 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 says, "What's the point?" When I want to ask him, I'm like, you know, I, I don't use the word "gimme," right? That you put it. I'm like, <laughs> but you know, what's the point of doing early? He's like, "What's the point not to?" You know, you got to get tested. Yeah. Like, go out, see how good you are. Um, you know, and when you have midweek games, whether you're in you know Texas or Louisiana, you you got a lot of choices of of teams in the state and in the area to be really good competition. Um, what are your thoughts on? You know, I guess LSU, you mentioned Gimme. They played Maine, then they lost to La Tech. But, you know, some of the other schools, Southeastern, who Cajun fans saw this week, LSU, Nichols, La Tech. What do you make of uh, college baseball in the boot this year outside of UL, who we already talked about quite a bit? Yeah, I feel really good about it. I mean, I think, you know, Tulane's a team that I think is going to be a force this year. You know, Tyler Hoffman's a a name to remember with the green wave. He moves in the week in rotation after losing – uh, you know, some big-time arms last year. You know, I think they're going to be a good team this year. They're going to, you know, uh, compete for a regional spot. Uh, obviously, LSU, um, they got crushed last night in pretty rough weather. But, you know, anytime you can have that kind of offensive production, 
Um, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. That's impressive. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest development for LSU, uh, was the way that Blake Money threw on Friday. You know, he's kind of he's kind of their guy that I felt like has always had kind of premium stuff, but he's never really panned out. You know, or he hasn't got enough innings or something like that. And he threw really well for him uh, opening weekend. I think the other team for me that's really interesting is Lane Burroughs continues to do an outstanding job with Louisiana Tech. I mean, this is a program that hosted a regional last year, and they've got a lot of those guys back. I mean, I, I really like the team coming into the year because they had their whole rotation back, and Jonathan Fincher, you know, Ryan Jennings, and, and uh, you know, the, the Jarrett Wharf kid. But, the, you know, offensively, they got a lot of kids back. I mean, Jorge Corona had a big hit last night, if I remember Phil Machulia's, you know, feels like he's been in Ruston for like 10 years. So they've got a lot of experience from a team that uh, was very close to getting to a super regional. Kendall Rogers, our guest. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Give Kendall a follow at Kendall Rogers on Twitter. Check out all his stuff over at D1Baseball.com. He is the managing editor of D1 Baseball, the go-to for college baseball news. Um, getting back to, uh, I, guess, I guess, somewhat Cajun. Just a quick question on the Sun Belt, Kendall. I look at Coastal Carolina and, you know, in their time before they were in the Sun Belt, you know, they won a college World Series, right? They they were one of the premier teams, not just at a high mid-major level, but in all of college baseball. Do you see the Chanticleers getting back to that standard at some point? Are they close? Are they far away? Where are you at on Coastal Carolina? Yeah, I mean, it has been weird, right? I mean, they win the national championship and it's just like, every year since then they've just kind of declined a little bit and what's weird is like i don't feel like their talent levels that bad i mean i, I think their talent level is fine i mean eric brown the shortstop's one of the top prospects in the country uh they've got some other guys uh, and so yeah i mean i think they're going to be good this year uh the question is just kind of how good uh, i think they're a top three or top four sunbelt team but you know they need guys like eric brown to have a big year uh, you know, Reese Maniscalco is, you know, back from an injury in their weekend rotation. He's got a big arm, but, you know, can he stay healthy? If guys like Kim can stay healthy, then I think they have a shot to, to have a pretty good year. But, yeah, it really has been an odd story the last couple of years that they've struggled so much because typically uh, teams win the national championship and they kind of go on a run. But, I mean, really, if you look at Coastal Carolina, and frankly, if you look at Virginia when they won the national championship a few years ago, they also kind of declined for a couple of years. So just very odd how that how that's operated. But, I mean, I, I've seen those signs of, you know, instability or anything like that in Conway. So I, I kind of hope they get it rolling again and at least compete for the Sun Belt crown because I think it's good when a program that cares that much about college baseball uh, that they're good. And it's certainly good for a conference like the Sun Belt and, you know, some of your mid-major conferences that yeah. want to get multiple teams into the tournament. And that's my next question for you, Kendall. When it comes to a selection committee, and I know that's a long way away, but this is more of just sort of an, not so much who's going to be in this year. That's that's something I'd ask you a few months from now. But in terms of, like, power conferences, they always put in a lot of teams, right? So you could be in a big power conference, finish three, four games under 500 in conference play, have a mediocre to weak non-conference strength the schedule, and you could still get in. Um, now, the flip side is that is some of those schools get in and they, they win when they get there, but... Like, what would it what what would it take to change that from a mid major standpoint? Where okay, look, maybe it's not nine schools getting in from this conference, but maybe it's six, yeah. and maybe this other mid major instead of one, it's two or three. Like, what ultimately would it take to to shift it more in that direction? 
I think the biggest thing for me is obviously the league needs to take care of business outside of, uh, you know, uh, conference play. But I, I think when you look at the league as a whole, they need more teams with higher RPIs in conference. Um, the thing that kind of hurts them now is when they get into conference play, um, you have you know teams like Georgia State or like Little Rock and UT Arlington who don't have the best RPIs. And so I think as you add other programs, you know, particularly, you know, USM, you're getting a program that historically has, you know, t- a top 25, top 35 RPI. So the more games you can play against those, those kind of teams, uh, the better off your RPI is. And so that's really just as what hurt, you know, the Sun Belt is, you know, if, if you don't just totally, you know, wipe the floor of teams in non-conference play, uh, there's just nowhere to make that up. Whereas in the SEC or, you know, one of the power conferences, you know, you can have a series loss or even a bad series loss. But, hey, you, there's a way you can make it up in conference play because you're going to play, you know, five, six, seven teams with a top 30 RPI. That just isn't the case in the Sun Belt. So, really, this is kind of where expansion helps that league. So I think this league's only going to get better from an RPI standpoint. So I, I think the, the future of this league is really bright. Um, I think this league is about to go from a, a good baseball league to what I consider to be likely a great baseball league. That's big for the future of the Bell. Kendall Rogers, our guest, he's in Round Rock and. You talk about the importance of some non-conference games, some uh, big ones this weekend for UL. It, it, it's not just Round Rock, right? You have the Round Rock. You have the Minute Maid Classic. You have uh, a number of tournaments in Arizona. These, these early season neutral site games, right, at ballparks, what does that do for college baseball in your mind? And do you see an, potentially an uptick in these neutral site tournaments early in the season? No, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's all about getting the getting the kids different experiences. You know, I think anytime you can start the year, for instance, at, you know, I was at Globe Life last week. I think anytime you can start the year at a, at a place like Globe Life and you're playing in a big league ballpark, I think you kind of get to see how your how your kids and how your players kind of handle the situation. So, uh, I think it's good for college baseball, but I think in general, just the the whole situation around pro ball is really beneficial to college baseball right now. Again, you know, I don't, I'm not an advocate for, you know, a long term lockout, but I mean, short term uh, to have all eyeballs on college baseball, uh, that's not a bad thing. I certainly think these tournaments help too. Well, let's say um, for argument's sake, and t- well, not even argument's sake, let's assume that after this year, Major League Baseball is more on sort of a normal schedule. Are you of the belief system, Kendall, that? it would do college baseball good to move their schedule back um, because, right, you are you have a bigger spotlight, at least in the world of college sports. Um, and, you know, I, players report later. And then, and then to me, the big thing that would stand out is as a positive is some of these schools with a lot of deep pockets in their athletic department, they don't as vo- invest as much in college baseball because it doesn't make them as much money. But if a lot of that just might just have to do with weather, right? Well, look, it's too cold for us. We got to travel a ton early in the season. It's costing a ton of money. Do you are, are you a proponent of I guess the positives that would come with the schedule change? And yeah. are there any that maybe I left out that I'm just not seeing in terms of what would be a positive here? Yeah, I mean, I I think moving the season back to a March first start date makes sense, or even like a second week of March. But I, I wouldn't go any further than that. The problem you run into is the gains that you're going to make from a monetary standpoint early on uh, would be offset by the fact that, you, you know, you've got kids uh, spending a month, you know, in the middle of summer, uh, you know, needing lodging, uh, needing scholarship money and stuff like that. People don't realize that, 
you know, these, these agreements, they, you know, they run semester to semester and it goes from the, you know, the fall to the spring. And so if you're keeping kids all the way through June, uh, you're paying for an, essentially an extra month of dorm expenses or whatnot for all of these players. So that ends up being a pretty large cost. But, you know, I, I am for moving it back a couple of weeks. I just think when you look at college baseball, uh, I mean, there's no reason to be, you know, like this weekend to be playing college baseball when it's 40 degrees is a high. So, and, 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 again, I know it's not a guarantee that in the second week of March it won't be that way, but your chances of having it 35 degrees in Lafayette the second week of March are pretty slim. So uh, I would like to see it happen. And, you know, honestly, if you did that, uh, you would have the College World Series falling during 4th of July. And I think that would be a, kind of a best of both worlds. Yeah, no offense to uh, Nathan's hot dogs, but I'd prefer to watch that than the yeah, hot right. dog eating contest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it also just kind of plays into the, the great cliche, which is a cliche for a reason, right? Fourth of July, apple pie, hot dogs, baseball, you know, kind of this old, you, you get to you get to kind of tap into the nostalgia and the feel of the Fourth of July, but actually watch some baseball. The other thing I guess I, I would ask you that I, I'm just thinking about just now what kind of impact would that have on, you know, sort of summer league ball? A lot of these college kids, they go, they play summer league ball in different yeah. parts of the country. Would would pushing college baseball back a little bit kind of kill that? I mean, it would certainly hurt it. But the thing is, is if you look at college baseball, I mean, even if even if the World Series is in the middle of the 4th of July, you know, time frame, you would still have a vast majority of college baseball players would already be done by the middle of June. So, a lot of those players that are reporting at the beginning of June, they would be reporting about you know about a week and a half or so after the normal time. Uh, now, you know the, the obviously the the premier guys that are on teams in the College World Series wouldn't be reporting, and they'd probably only be in those leagues for a couple of weeks. But still, I mean, you would have a lot of kids already at summer ball, and I don't, I don't, it, I mean, it wouldn't cause them to fold. It would certainly mean that their talent level, at least for the first month and a half, would certainly be very much down. It'd be kind of like, you know, high school basketball when the coaches say, well, now that the football team has been eliminated from the playoffs, I'm about to get two starters back, you know, like, okay, you just, you got to kind of wait for it. Kendall Rogers has been our guest. All right, man. Well, my last question for you, I know you're in Austin, Round Rock Classic, you're a Texan, you know, you know, come on, don't like, you know, you know, the good spots, you know, where there's good barbecue. Like I know some folks listening right now that are in Round Rock for the tournament this weekend. Any recommendations of Texas barbecue around there? Well, I mean, you got Salt Lake right next to the ballpark, but there's I've been a lot better one. places in Salt Lake. You'll probably have to go into Austin, places like Style Switch, Valentina's. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for good morning stuff, uh, Round Rock Donuts uh, is one of the best donuts that I've ever had. And so uh, I want to say it's like maybe four or five minutes from the ballpark, but uh, that that's a must. And they've got great kolaches and donuts and then, the thing about Salt Lake is it's doable. Like they have really good sauce. And their, their stuff's doable, and you can walk there from the ballpark. And I, I know everybody's going to need to thaw out after each game. So that's my recommendation, just because it's close, dude. All the meat just hanging from all the hooks in there, though. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I yeah, it kind of it, it makes it taste better than it, it really does. Is. The aesthetics of it, and I have a, a one of my <laughs> sisters. She lives in Cedar Park, so I've. Um, and I, I don't eat many donuts, but the place you mentioned one morning, um, you know, her they went and got it. My nephew's a big fan of that place. So I have had the kolaches from the place you referenced, and, yeah, it's it's worth it. But, uh, hey, man, look, I appreciate you taking the time. Stay warm out there. We'll be following you on social media, checking out all the stuff you guys have over at D1 Baseball. Again, guys, D1Baseball.com. You can follow you. 
You can follow Kendall at Kendall Rogers on Twitter. Anything else uh, that you'd like to plug, man, before we let you run? No, man, we just continue to have a, a promo on our site. You can use the, the code RENEW22, get 25% off an annual subscription. I'll have a ton of coverage uh, on the Cajuns this coming weekend. So it should be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited, man. I, I, you know, I've, I've been to so many games at the Teague and I guess Russo Park, I better call it, just to be nice. But, uh, you know, at the Teague and, you know, I just think when you look at this program overall, this is a fan base that deserves to have a big-time winner. And uh, maybe this is a team that kind of gets this program headed in the right direction. I'll tell you, the, the, energy, uh, the energy there this past week was palpable. It, it, felt, it felt like something you felt in some seasons in the past. So I, I think they're working with something special this year. I really do. Yeah, you got it. Kendall, appreciate the time, man. All the best. And we'll, it, uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Thank you. Good stuff. Appreciate Kendall Rogers coming on the show. Up next, we'll open up phone lines for you. Hell's back in action tonight. Cajun hoops in action. Cajun baseball, LSU baseball, UL softball doubleheader today. The Rage of Cajun women, big dominant 68 to, uh, excuse me, 64 to 48 win last night. We discussed that a little bit. Don't go anywhere. Open phone lines 337 269 1077. Plus, Betting odds on where Russell Wilson will play next year. I'll tell you where he should be traded to and what the haul would be. That's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got on a Friday. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. into the great scott show answering the phone during the break hearing from a, an old listener that uh, has uh, moved out of lafayette but he was in town and listening and always good to uh catch up with you guys man it's great hearing from him great talking to kendall rogers as well stay warm out there everybody stay safe during mardi gras they're talking a lot about the busy weekend we have on our airwaves not just ours, but in the building. It's that uh, what we call overlap. You have, geez, between last night to and today, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
We have 11 broadcasts between uh, yesterday and, uh, and Sunday that were airing in our building of UL Sports. One of those weekends. So a lot of coordination, but uh, in terms of where to hear what, you'll catch softball right here on ESPN Lafayette. You'll catch baseball and men's hoops over on News Talk 96.5 KPL. You'll catch women hoops tomorrow on Talk Radio 960. And uh, that's all of it. May not sound like a lot when I say it that quickly, but uh, but we're busy. Phone lines are open for you now. 337-269-1077. We've talked college baseball. We've talked UL. We've talked little LSU. We've talked Saints. We've talked Pels. Mention Russell Wilson briefly. A little NFL offseason story for you. The betting odds are always interesting to me. And, you know, since online sports betting was legalized here in Louisiana, it's peaked up some interest. But I, I don't... Uh, in terms of like, I, I like a futures bet because they're fun. You usually don't hit on it, but it's something you can follow for a long period of time. You know, back before betting was legal here in Louisiana, if I was in a place where it was legal, I'd just put a futures bet on a team I like with long odds. It really wouldn't come to fruition, but it was just a little bit of money, something to just have, right? Stick the slip in a, in a Ziploc, hold on to it. Maybe just maybe it'll be worth something in six, seven. But following the odds and how they change week to week. Your future side today is going to look a lot different in a few months. If it's a future odds for a Super Bowl. Like the Saints, plus 3,500. Well, after the draft and offseason, it might be plus 7,000. Maybe it's plus 2,500. Who knows? Certainly would improve if they actually had their quarterback situation settled. Seattle, they've got a good quarterback, Russell Wilson. Now he's going to be... The 34 next season, but seems to be in a good place, but also started planting seeds a year ago that he kind of wanted out of Seattle. Reports coming out. Maybe he'd be going, right? Last year, it was a, a list in December. Or no, last March, rather. There was a list of what, four teams he considered a trade to. The Cowboys, Bears, Raiders, and Saints. And then in December, a list was updated and included the Broncos, the Giants, and still the Saints. Seattle still has the odds at minus 150. The Broncos are at plus 750. But the Broncos got low odds for all of these QBs. They're probably going to end up with none of them. I'm sure it'll just be Drew Locke again next year. Maybe Bridgewater. Probably Locke. The Steelers at plus 900. The Packers at plus 950. I guess the idea that no one knows exactly what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, but there's there's no there's no. I don't see a scenario where the two teams would just trade one for the other. Oh well, yeah, John Schneider, you know the Seahawks general manager. He's a Green Bay native. He's got good relationships with everybody in the front office. Well, good. Guess who doesn't have a great relationship with everyone in the front office in Green Bay? That'd be Mister Aaron Rodgers. The Saints are now plus 1,200 on the list. Those odds have continued to get larger by the day. It ain't happening. Miami at plus 1,500. Eagles plus 1,500. Bucks plus 1,800. Raiders plus 2,800. The Washington Commanders plus 3,500. Here is the team on that list that folks should be looking at more. The Philadelphia Eagles. Why? They have three first-round picks in this year's draft, 15, 16, 
and 19. Thank you, Carson Wentz. You have three. In a draft that if you start following the mock drafts and listening to the pundits, they start telling you it's kind of comparable to 2013. It's not a loaded draft. You look back at the 2013 first round and then you realize, and trust me, if you want to Google it right now, go look back at the first round of the 2013 draft and you'll be like, eesh. Ooh, ugh. So if you were ever going to trade three first-round picks, wouldn't you want to do it all in a single year whenever it's not a deep draft? And some folks feel like it would take three, maybe four, three and a good player, maybe three picks into Darius Slay. The Eagles have the ammo. You play in Philly, well, that means you're playing the Giants twice a year and the Cowboys twice a year and Washington, and you're going to be on national TV a lot as a result. And your noon games or your America's Game of the Week. Seattle, outside of the stretch where they were really good, have never been like a, a marquee matchup that you're going to see on national TV every single week. With respect. I mean, they've had, a, they've had, they had a good run there for a while. Not a star-studded draft. Not a great, surefire first-round pick. Not, a, I mean, why wouldn't you? Philly's pretty. Philly's a big market. It's in the Northeast. It's a big city. Now, his personality, I don't know that it's exactly um, Philly-esque, but if you win or you do well, they don't care. I mean, Nick Foles, they, they build him a statue in Philly. Not far from where Rocky's built. It's not like he's exactly like Philly in his bones. I mean, the guy grew up in Austin. And played college ball in the what the Midwest before moving down to Arizona and finishing there, and then it's been a backup most of his career, except when he's in Ben Philly, where he's where he's a world beater, he's beloved. Point is, you don't necessarily have to be a quote Philly guy; you just have to be good. And Russell Wilson's good, and nothing against Jalen Hurts. He and Russell Wilson, and they got into the playoffs this year with Jalen Hurts. Of all the teams on that list, if he were to go, there is. No spot that makes more sense for him and no team that can offer more, certainly in the present, than the Philadelphia Eagles. So at plus 1,500, next team odds, where, where is Wilson going to be playing under center week one of the 2022 NFL season? Obviously, Seattle's the top choice, but if you wanted to pepper a little bit on something else, Philly makes a lot of sense. End up on national TV a lot too. Just by virtue of being in the NFC East. Speaking of national TV and the big games, we learned earlier this week that Troy Aikman is heading to ESPN next season, going to be the lead analyst for Monday Night Football. Who will be calling it with him? It was Steve Levy last year, along with Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick as the color analyst. I'm sure all three of those guys are like, okay, not really sure what we're doing here. ESPN is expected to go after Joe Buck, but he's still got another year left on his Fox contract, and he calls Major League Baseball for Fox. I just, I I don't, and Fox, I think, is like broadcasting two Super Bowls in the next three years. The other guy that's being mentioned, the legend. Al Michaels. 
Al Michaels is 77, and yet when you hear him call games on TV, it's it's almost like you're going in a in a in a time machine, just a portal to an earth. Because you could go back to Monday Night Football in the in the 80s, in the 90s, and hear Al's voice, and it sounds the same, and his delivery is good, and he's done a great job with NBC. Now I don't know that Al at this point in his career wants to, you know, with with with. You're traveling week to week with the Thursday night football, but there are a couple of weeks he would take off and Tariqa would be in there. I mean, that's the part of it where his age where he gets you. Not when you hear him, but so much the travel and everything. But Michaels is leaving NBC. And many feel like he was just going to Amazon, but then Amazon couldn't get Eggman for their new Thursday night football broadcast. Could he maybe go to ESPN instead? You'll still get Nance and Romo on on CBS. Ah, I don't know, Jim. I don't know if they get this all, Jim. Romo. I don't know, Jim. But as far as your other A-team broadcasts for the big games, nationally televised and game of the week, going to look very different next season in the NFL. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Rage Gage in softball last night. You gave up eight free bases. Alabama got a lot of runs off of it. There's your story. There's your story. You know, the Cajuns went into that game last night, 6-0. and Four of their six wins were via mercy rule. The other two wins they had were shutouts. And then they played the number two team, and they got mercy ruled. And I, I, I talked to Coach Glasgow afterwards. And he felt like, you know, learned some about his team. They thought they were ready to play, but clearly they weren't. Here's more from the head coach. We tried to get ahead, make them hit the ball, and we come out, and we just we just we just weren't ready to compete. Uh, you know, you're trying to as as a coach is what my message to the team was like as a coach. My job to have them ready to play. So when they're not ready to play, that's on me. And and I, I misjudged this team a little bit tonight. And. You know, I think we looking back on it, we come out with arrogance and, you know, we come out assuming we can play with Alabama and assuming that we're going to uh, show up and we failed to show up at the showdown. And and that that's on me. I mean, and that's why I explained to him, like, I will, you know, when we play Alabama on Sunday, there'll be a different mindset in the pregame meeting and there'll be a lot of uh, more elementary, like, preparation and get ready because just we do, we let down simple things like, giving them free bases and hit, not just walk, but hit by pitches. I think we almost like 10 free bases tonight. So stuff we got to do a lot better. How glad are you that you mentioned Sunday that you get to play them again just in a couple of days as opposed to kind of one and done? Yeah, well, you, you know, we got a really young team and, and you, you, you're just very fortunate to have opportunity to play Alabama and a team like Alabama that can, you know, that can teach you that how important it is to be ready and you know, I, I didn't talk to him before the game about Arizona. Just got beat eleven nothing, and uh, I should have. Uh, looking backwards, I wish I would have said I didn't want to scare him, but I wish I would have back and said, "Hey, I, I, Arizona's a top twenty team. They're probably a top fifteen team, but they weren't ready to play Alabama, and they got they got a, they got whipped." And uh, we did the same thing. We just we just didn't come out ready to play. But I think that's. You know, that's something that we can correct. It's, that's a choice when you when you come out, you know, ready or not ready or focused or not focused, and that falls on the coaching staff. And 
So we'll we'll change our coaching strategy and be sure that doesn't happen again. And and you know it's it's the way you're going to learn when you start that many freshmen. You know, and the pitchers are, are new and dealing with a new pitching coach. Uh, you're trying to learn them mentally. You don't want to plant seeds of doubt in them, but at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to have a performance like tonight. So we're going to have to really uh, fine tune the way we're handling the team and and address it based on first loss that we've had. What comes next for the Cajuns? We'll hit on that next. You referenced playing them again Sunday. They got some other teams they're playing between now and then. What's happening this weekend? Where to hear it? It's Mardi Gras. A couple of Mardi Gras tips for you. That's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on the Rich Eisen Show. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Body moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving, body moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Mardi Gras weekend upon us. Word to the wise. Hey, look, if you're young, go out, have fun, be safe, drink responsibly if you're of age, dress warm. If you have kids and you're attending any Mardi Gras parades... Make sure you know where you're going to park ahead of time. Make sure it's near a bathroom that you can use and bring your kids to. Make sure they dress warm. And then from there, just make it till the floats get there. Because once the floats get there, let me tell you something. They're going to be into it. Trust me. Just throwing stuff. I mean, kids protect those beads like it's their favorite toy ever. They get home, they don't want to share it. And then the next day, they forget they even had them. And you probably, you know, if you're good, you end up just donating them or something. And they get thrown again at some point. The circle of life for Mardi Gras beads. But have a good time. Enjoy the party. Speaking of parties, Patty in the Park. Thursday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance, downtown Lafayette, Park International. It is going to be awesome. Clay Cormier and Wayne Toops are playing, as are Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, and Tone Loke. That's right. Legendary lineup. Speaking of legends, you can buy your tickets now at Legends Locations. Bertrand, Downtown Location, Johnston, Pinhook, Pub, Scott, South, Legends South, Legends on Verot, all of them. $20 right now. Or get it at eventbrite.com. You don't want to get them now because uh, day of, it'll cost you 25 Designated Drivers Booth sponsored by Service Chevrolet. Your beverage sponsors are Budweiser Zero and Ghost Energy. Food will be served inside Patty in the Park. You can buy some great food. It's going to be fun. Mark your calendars. Get ready to wear green. It'll be here before you know it. Busy day. As I mentioned, between yesterday and this Sunday, we have 11 Rage Occasion broadcasts 
in our building. Men's hoops tonight, season finale against Georgia State. Cajuns have uh, won three in a row. They're going to try to get above 500 before they head into conference play. And they're going to try to shut down Georgia State's final game at their venue in Atlanta before they move to a new place. Um, last game there, Cajuns wanted to be a Georgia State L. No love lost between those two programs. Also airing on Newstalk 96.5 KPL, Cajun baseball all weekend, including today. 11.30 pregame against number four Stanford. Noon first pitch. Cody Juno, Brad Topham have the call for you today. Cajun softball, doubleheader today. Eastern Illinois and then St. Thomas in Youngsville at the Youngsville Sports Complex at the Mardi Gras Mambo. 145 pregame, you can hear it right here on ESPN Lafayette. Tomorrow, doubleheader, Mardi Gras Mambo at 3, 245 pregame against Portland State and Lipscomb here on ESPN Lafayette. Sunday, 11 a.m. against number two Alabama, 1045 pregame right here on ESPN Lafayette. Baseball tomorrow against Indiana, 11 a.m. early time, 10.30 a.m. pregame, New Stock 96.5 KPL, and then Sunday, number two, Arkansas at 4, 3.30 pregame. Women's hoops, the pink game, regular season finale at Earl K. Long Gym, 2 o'clock, 145 pregame. You can hear it on Talk Radio 960. So we will know how the conference tournament seeds are. Be a lot to, uh, we're going to have plenty to talk about Monday, and then Tuesday is Fat Tuesday. So we'll have Mardi Gras off. So we'll get into a lot on Monday. We'll recap everything. We'll get into it. We'll kind of know who's playing where. Uh, LSU, they got um, a tournament over there in, in Baton Rouge this weekend, right? Towson, Southern, and Towson. And Southern. So games that they should win adequately. Taking place this weekend over at Batrush. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Kendall Rogers. Thanks to Bobby Nova. Thanks to Gus Cattengale. Thanks to all of you. Be safe. Have a happy Mardi Gras. Dan Patrick shows next right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 